You're listening to the Junior League of Louisville's podcast. joined the Junior League of Louisville in 1981 and served as president from 1991 to 1992. Emily was the first working mother to serve in this role during a time when more women were joining the workforce and diversity became a top priority. I have here with me today is Emily Lawrence and she was president from 1991 to 1992 and joined the league in 1981 and what I didn't note on these notes is where you attended school after high school. Uh, I'm from Somerset, Kentucky originally, so one of the reasons that joining the league was attractive to me was the chance to meet a lot of people who were actually from Louisville. Uh, I went to the University of Kentucky, both undergraduate and to law school, and then moved to Louisville when my husband took a job with what was then First National Bank. And very shortly after I graduated from law school, I went to work for PNC Bank. So... uh, that is how I ended up in Louisville. So you went to law school, but you went to work for PNC Bank. Was that in a legal capacity? or I mean, you, you definitely have ties to financial in your present I, life. I have spent my entire career in the trust and estates world. So I am basically an administrator of estates and trusts. And I found that fascinating with you at the law school, and I knew you still did the, the trust work. Um, did that interest you to do in the league? So you, a lot of people, when they do something professionally, they're not as interested in maybe participating in that in the league, even though obviously we want them to. <laughs> financial, we would be going after you for some positions, but did you do financial positions in the league or did you try to branch out from something different? Actually, I probably stuck more to what I knew. I spent most of my time in the league working on administration and financial things. My first involvement was probably with the horse show program, which if you haven't discussed previously, was the Junior League produced the uh, horse show program for the World Championship Horse Show that's part of the state fair. And at the time, that was a fundraiser that every year raised about Mm $40,000, which pretty much supported the projects of the league and we didn't have to do a whole lot of other fundraising. During my tenure, unfortunately, the fair board decided to take the horse show program in-house and so one of the biggest challenges during the time I was in the league, which is still going on I think, is trying to find something that replaced that core fundraiser. So while I was in the league, we did move uh, to the designer show house, which we did a few of. I was involved in the first two, uh, where Bittners partnered with us, and we took a historic home in Louisville uh, that was not a personal residence, but was a community asset, and actually redid it for the benefit of the greater community as well as a fundraiser for the league. That was a major undertaking. So you were involved in in the first two for those. It was a major undertaking and uh, it was a lot of work. And it was a lot of work. We thought one of the reasons we made money on the horse show program was because league members 
became sponsors to the horse show program. And the last year or two that we did the horse show program, actually all of the profit we made was from those sponsorships. And we thought we could take those sponsorship dollars and transfer them to the program for the show house. Makes sense, right? Did not work that way. <laughs> and I don't know whether it's because the horse show program had a much broader appeal mm -hmm. uh, or a much broader audience, uh, but for whatever reason, it did not just move from one place to the other as easily as we hoped it would. But you did make significant money on the show houses. We did. Uh, and then I think eventually they may have, well, Bittner's was making a huge financial commitment toward it too, and it may be that at some point they decided it wasn't worth it to them. Uh, <clears throat> because without a sponsor who was willing to put in the time, the effort, and the expertise to do it, we couldn't have done that on our own. I think Anita brought that up too, that y'all had a financial backer for the historic homes, and then once that backer wasn't um, able to provide or chose not to provide, they moved to the homes. Yes. And that's what Anita's first house was one of the, the residencies for oh, okay. where you, they partnered. So it's interesting because you had the, the previous years and then she came into the picture and chaired uh, kind of your bookend yeah. to chair the ones that transitioned over. But it still was maybe, maybe max eight houses total under Probably. a decade that we did that. And so then, like you said, then we had to find the next big thing. Yes, because I uh, co-chaired the year after I was president of the league for the Peterson Dumino House. Which is a big undertaking for somebody looking to, you know, transition <laughs> out of a major role, right? It was fun. You though. took a big one on. Well, it sounds like you definitely were um, active in the league and very busy. Did you think when you came in in 1981, I think I want to do that? Did you, yes, you, actually, I did. Um, First of all, I knew nothing really about the Junior League of Louisville. My only exposure to a league at all was more through the Junior League of Lexington because they, of course, have the Junior League of Lexington Horse Show. And my sister is a horse trainer. My parents, I don't think my mother missed a Junior League of Lexington Horse Show for 60 years. <laughs> so all I really knew of, about Junior Leagues was seeing Lexington Junior League people my entire life running this horse show. <laughs> Which they still do today. Which they still do today and very well. So um, actually I worked with uh, a woman named Susie Schaff who mm -hmm. is wonderful and was very active in the league for many years. And Susie is the one who decided I should join the league because in my day you still had to be proposed to become a member of the league. And Susie invited me to lunch at uh, the Pendennis Club with a group of her friends and told me that she wanted me to talk to them about their wills and why they should have wills and update them. So I go to this lunch and I spend the whole time talking about wills and all these other things and it is only much later that I find out that was the group she was getting to nominate me to the Junior League. <laughs> so. Uh, it is because of, Susie took an interest in me that I was able to join the Junior League. And I was very honored at the time. It, was, uh, it wasn't like it is now where you decide whether you have time. It was kind of just a thing to do. And I didn't have uh, children at the time. My group was probably the first group, large group of professional women who came into the League. There were, uh, I met my first 
Karen Wonderland was the first person with an MBA I think I ever met. <laughs> She's the first person who we did a strategic plan. Um, and since then, I still go back to Karen Wonderland's strategic planning, you know, the way we did it. I've used that I don't know how many times. Uh, so even though I was in administration and finance, I was learning skills that I that weren't the same skills I was using at work. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite sayings used to be, you know, in those days they didn't let women be in charge of too many things at like a bank. Uh, but if you went out and volunteered, you could be in charge of anything. And so I loved being in charge of things. And they used to send a survey every year, and maybe they do, about what you wanted to do in the league. And so very early on, I started writing, I want to be president. And I remember one year when I hadn't been in the league very long at all, somebody called me and was like, well, you know, we think you might have potential, but maybe you ought to do all of these other things first. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I just wrote it down. So eventually somebody, I guess, decided I'd done enough of those things and it was okay if I was president of the junior league. You were nominated. Did you self-nominate or somebody did contact you? Because were we still doing straw ballots where you write in people for positions or do you recall if someone contacted you or you think that she put your name in that? Yeah, I honestly don't remember. It was a changing time the 90s were for sure. Yeah. We were evolving. Um, I think that's interesting that someone, like you said, the two points, like somebody saw something in you and, and, and nominated you and encouraged you to join as well. You're the second person that brought up kind of the secret admissions meeting where they didn't come right out and say, I want you to come talk to some ladies in the league and see if you like it. Kind of, you know, but more of a invited you to lunch to meet some people without really telling you what was going on. It's, seemed to be a common theme and it seemed to have worked, right, for that time. Mm-hmm. And um, as well as the you know being able to learn and lead in areas that you aren't doing professionally that's a huge asset and something like you said you could you stick your neck out and didn't worry about losing your job yeah right and people let you try and that's great there were no yeah there weren't the major repercussions we've heard that as a common theme as well um now you did end up obviously having two daughters just this during before presidency right yes so you had some young ones at home Yes. And uh, you were involved, it looks like, in PTA and, and doing a lot of things outside I of I was on Derby Festival Board for 20 years, and uh, I was on Derby Festival Board before I was president of the league. I was involved in women lawyers, the estate planning council of Louisville. I've always been a joiner. Um, because to me, one of the most exciting things is to sit down with a group of people and figure out how to do something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what better place to do that than the league? Uh, I I love exchanging ideas and just like I say, you've got a problem and you sit down and collectively figure out how to do it. And I think it's interesting just to hear how different people come at things from different ways and then how you put all your brains together and you come up with the best idea. And I haven't figured out how Congress is the only place where that doesn't work. (laughs) When every other organization, it works just fine. I'm sorry, what else did you ask me? Oh, no, you hit right on it. And uh, I know, too, you were the early 90s. And I had in here on some notes that um, you had the theme, or the the theme around your time was 1,000 Women Who Make Things Happen. We were a large league. It was a very large league. It was kind of like you had at that point then all these young professional women coming in 
and then just older than us were still a lot of women who were professional volunteers but who were home with their children. And so in a way, it was a wonderful time because these two groups meshed together and there were a lot of changes. Uh, you did ask about my children. Uh, let me regress for a moment because uh, I was the first full-time working mother who was president of the league, the second full-time working person. Uh, I can remember nights when I had gotten home and I was turning around to go back to a meeting and Liz would literally be clinging to my leg, begging me not to go. <laughs> and I would say to her, some mommies play bridge, some mommies go running, your mommy likes to go to meetings. <laughs> and so I did. And now she likes going to meetings as well as I do, which I always think is interesting. <laughs> and she actually belongs to the Junior League of Cincinnati and is very active there. Uh, in fact, that's her third league. Uh, Margaret, on the other hand, does not belong to anything. She is a total anti-joiner. So maybe even though she was the younger, it, and at the time she didn't express her displeasure as much, but maybe it made more of an impact on her. I don't know. She lets the sister, the yeah. sisterly join. And that's that quote that I think I told you I read about. Where you were quoted saying, my 10-year-old Elizabeth swears she will never subject her children to the deprivation she is subjected to becoming, because of the junior league. Like, I guess saying she would never make her children go through all that at age yeah. 10. And then, like you said, this is her third league and yeah. she belongs. That it's something that obviously stuck with you, but it obviously made a very positive impact on her, too. Yeah, eventually. And uh, <laughs> you had a lot of great kind of quotes like that. You must have done a lot of um, different, we did a lot of PR and public relations that had... Um, some things from you about calling you the balancing act of the act of 90s woman because you were professional and you were having the children and you you had the power haircut and the power I had glasses. the horrible haircut you had the power <laughs> 80s haircut I mean, and the giant girl, glasses. The glasses yes you um I mean you and Lynn on the cover of one of those those magazines it's just it's the 80s working woman and it was the magazine powerful. was brand new then. So it was the magazine is yes, it was just starting, and so they were looking for stories and people. And, and that was the through the junior league or the association, the magazine. No, it's a magazine that's still here in town today. I didn't pull the picture from that one, and so that wasn't. The, oh, we were on the cover of it of the Voice. No, it's called kind of. Women's. We'll have to find that. I have the photo, so I know I we can put I think I still have there. a magazine. I well, and I scanned it from it, so we'll definitely find your um, photo and put that up and and touch <laughs> back don't. on that. Please, I love please, it though, you and Lynn. I mean, you're just. I look at that, and it's just it's it's that power stance, you know, that people talk about of the working woman, and yeah. they call it, like I said, they they had. An article described you as the balancing act of the act of 90s woman. Yeah, so when I look back on it, I just wonder how on earth did I have that much energy? I mean, you definitely had a full plate. And um, another article said that you closed your first meeting with a gavel slam and a we're out of here. <laughs> and that you found that leading the show house was a lot more fun than being president. Not as many phone calls. Yes. <laughs> well, I told people early on when I was became president of the Junior League that I would not tolerate whining and not one person was to call me whining about another person or a job or anything else. And so I probably actually had less calls than anyone because How I did just, you balance it all though? Like I'm thinking phone you're talking about phone calls. You were working during the day, correct? Yes. How did you fit everything in? 
I don't know. <laughs> She's blocked well, it out. I told people I probably was not the best president of the Junior League by any means, but I was probably not going to kill the organization in wow. one year either. So uh, I don't know. I, I did a lot of things, and I had two little kids, but I just I loved doing it all. And uh, luckily, I had a job with some flexibility, so. If I, you know, I could take calls during the day. And, but I didn't take a lot of calls either. I made people figure it out themselves, you know. And we did switch during my time to the council system because when I was first on the board, literally the board was like 50 people. Every committee chair was on the board. And so board meetings went on ad nauseum. And that was something that just... Nobody wanted to be on the board because you were going to be at board meetings for three hours, you know, at a time. And so a lot of leagues around the country at that time had the council system. And so that was one of the things I did was push to a change to the council system so that we had the community council, the fundraising council, I don't remember what other councils. But then the person who was in charge of the community council dealt with all of the community mm-hmm. projects. So I didn't have to take those phone calls. They were going to call her. They rolled up. And then if she couldn't handle it, then we would talk about it at the executive committee, which was the council. So you had a big heads. change. And we've definitely gone through a board change since then, mm-hmm. but recently. So with the governance and management boards kind of splitting. So we thank you for your progress in the 90s. <laughs> you, got, you got us there. That was truly a, a leg up. Um, and that's funny that you say what you just said, because another thing I've written down was the quote from you that says, if you truly enjoy what you're doing, then it will never be a burden. And it says, if it becomes one, then you better think about changing activities. <laughs> there are a zillion things to do in this community to be involved with. Find one you like and do it. I love it. It speaks still to you now. And I love that you used the word zillion. <laughs> I hope I typed that correctly. But you knew there was a lot out there because you were involved in so much. So you knew that there was a lot to offer. Well, every board I have ever been on, I have loved meeting people that I might never have met if I hadn't been on that board, and I've learned things about particular parts of our community that I might never have experienced before. So that's why I like being involved in organizations outside of my work or my home, because I just learn things and I like to learn things. You're obviously a lifelong learner Um, and it does note here that you did make the big change and the bylaws and you were very busy. For someone who says she doesn't know she was a very good president or wish she did much, you were a behind the scenes um, structural like organizational structure changer for sure and like I said just championing the working mother was a big step in itself but it definitely has that you um, know that society was changing you have to help the league change we are losing members so we can ease the rules, change the bylaws, make it okay for a member to be active when it fits her life, then lay low for a while, then become active again. Now the league can better fit the schedules schedules of a, bo- a busy, modern woman. I mean, we're still battling that. <laughs> I mean, we're still trying to perfect that. And model. looking back, I wonder if some of the decisions we made were the right ones. Uh, at the time, and this would be one of the challenges, you, you have to understand those of us who were coming in as young professional women thought we knew it all. <laughs> and so we probably irritated, made a lot of those non-working 
members uncomfortable because we were kind of pushy <laughs> and we did not hesitate to speak up and it didn't matter. We didn't feel like we had to wait for our turn. We were used to just, if we saw something that we thought needed to be done, you just went and did it. You didn't have to be in the league seven years before you expressed your opinion. Uh, many of us at the time, I don't know whether anybody's mentioned this, we had a smoker's balcony at stairways. <laughs> and if you smoked, you sat in the balcony. And at that point, I would say a lot of us young professionals were up in the smoker's balcony. <laughs> and we would, speak from up there, uh, lording over all of those who are below that. us. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were very opinionated, strong-willed group. And I wonder if, you know, in a way, we probably drove some of that wedge in there if we'd been a little older and a little more diplomatic. Uh, it it might have been a lot uh, better for the... <laughs> well, I think that the stairways, you had the meetings in that basement with the um, the basement with the wood parquet floors, and it had the atrium level up at the top. I think that's neat, that big meeting space. It was stairways, so it's obviously a, a longer building on Main Street. You were there the entire time. Since you, you were present 9192, stairways was with you the entire time. Yes. And when you left, there was still stairways, because yes. we did talk to Nita about that transition. Um and was that convenient for you? Did you work downtown? Was yes, I had walked down there during lunch. Uh, there was actually a president's office, and I probably spent less time there than anyone. But occasionally, <laughs> I would walk down on my lunch hour and check the mail and do things like that. It was actually a very nice place, and it was much nicer than the office, my office at work. But I couldn't justify. I was before the days of uh, PCs, so <laughs> I couldn't just take my computer and go down there and do my uh, other work, so I, I didn't spend a lot of time there during the day. Just during the meetings, and there were so many things happening there. Um, I did see that 1991, and this could have been the year before you, because I know the years, we start mid-year, that we won a Creative Public Relations Award by the HLI, Association of Junior League International, first and second prize, we took both, and television PSAs for communications excellence and promoting is volunteer activities. Do you remember us doing PSAs or being on TV at all? No. <laughs> and that might have been more Lynn. I think Lynn Howard was associated more with some of those pieces. So maybe that was yeah. something, like you said, you turn things over and let people run them. But I found that interesting. But I do see we touched on the PSAs and being on, on the TV was interesting. Um, and you mentioned the short the show houses that you worked on and some of the projects. Do, you, do any of the projects, when we looked at our books, did... Anita told you you were on family daycare with her. Yes, well, and daycare was a huge issue because there were so many of us coming into the workforce. And at the time, there were very few quality daycares in Louisville. Most daycare was still at home. Either you had somebody come into your home or you took your child to somebody else's home. And so... For example, one of the few daycares at the time was uh, at St. Joseph's, the St. Joseph's mm -hmm. on Frankfurt Avenue. And you literally, the second you got pregnant, you had to put your name on the waiting list. And then you hardly ever got in with the baby. That might get you in by the time your child was two or three when the classes got bigger. 
now once you had one child in, then you could get another child in, which was why there was never any openings mm -hmm. in the baby room. <laughs> so it was almost impossible to find a spot in a quality daycare. Now, I ended up having somebody come into my home for several years, which is probably the only reason I was really able to do a lot of these things I was able to do, because I had a wonderful woman who could stay if I needed to go to a junior league meeting. She could come back at night if my husband wasn't home. I mean, she was just extremely flexible in her uh, ability to stay with my children. So, uh, <clears throat> But everybody was having trouble finding daycare. And this was before uh, the IRS, and I don't remember what year this was, but uh, the IRS had just introduced the flexible benefit plan mm -hmm. where you could use pre-tax dollars to pay for daycare. So I worked very hard trying to get uh, daycares to understand that concept. The flexible spending accounts? <laughs> yes, which now, of course, have been around for 30 years. We kind of take it for granted. I know there's still wait lists and there's still, you're still, everybody's still trying to network and figure out where's the place to put your child. But like you said, you were the the first working woman with children to lead the league, that was a very big component of your life, an important piece to find a place for your children or someone, you know. Quality daycare was just, well, I mean, there were literally in the entire east end of Louisville, St. Joseph's was probably it. I mean, there just weren't, there weren't even for-profits the way there are yeah. now. There just weren't, there was no daycare available because nobody had needed it and that numbers before and that's why we got with four c's i had forgotten that but yes i was passionate about daycare at the time <laughs> <laughs> it definitely related to you yeah. um and the projects that we took on and the things that we did show house was in the background did you ever touch or work on cookbooks i mean those those were definitely at a prime during your time you know this is one of my great failings in life, is that at the time we were working on cookbook, I made the comment, what we need is a cookbook full of recipes that have no more than five ingredients and take no more than a half an hour to make, because that is all the time I have to dedicate <laughs> to dinner. And when your children were in daycare and you picked them up, if you could not put dinner on the table within a half an hour, then they have already eaten so much junk, they weren't gonna eat dinner anyway. And then I think Rachel Ray did the whole, you know, five half hour dinner or whatever. And I thought, man, I had that idea 35 years ago. Why didn't you I miss trust that opportunity that? with you? Yes, because I'm pretty sure there were more than five ingredients in all those uh, recipes. Yeah, but I, but I am a horrible cook, though I do use my junior league cookbooks all the time. Mm -hmm. And you would have had the cordon bluegrass and that it was probably it was already probably around when you joined or it was brand new. And then Splinter and the Bluegrass would have. Maybe come right at, you were early 1991, so that would have been after yeah, you, but we you were, were kind of in the transition period of two different style, two different kind of cookbooks. Yes, and I can't say I ever, except for taking them places to sell them occasionally, had <laughs> anything. I was never a recipe contributor. Listen, show house was enough. I was a horrible cook. I'm still not a great cook. <laughs> oh. um, but I definitely, the cookbooks were a part of that time period, and, the, and like I said, show house definitely spanned that decade. Um, and we talked about there were a lot of mentorship programs, and I guess those were during the day. 
the projects that you would volunteer? I mean, I think that might have been a deterrent for you too, is if they were during the time that you weren't uh, one, one of the things that became apparent to me was there were a lot of us who were spending all of our time on administration and fundraising and not working on projects. And so one of my other things was that everybody who belonged to the league should do something for the community. And I don't remember when it actually started, but I think that was kind of the beginning of done in the days, that oh. everybody could just go and do something. So even if you were spending 99% of your time on fundraising or you were the... You know, had some other administrative position that there was still something you could give back to the community, uh, even if you weren't on a long-term project. Which is a wonderful program that we still do today. I mean, you do, being able to do a one-touch and not have to commit to a, a lengthy yeah. project. And or that an fit much better in the schedule of full-time working people obviously than something where you had to be yes during daytime hours because that's when the organization needed you I was noting right now the who I was like wait who was who were you the PE president-elect to and it's it's Lindy was Richardson yes. Street and then Lynn Howard followed you did you have a relationship prior to um, in that leadership role did you have a relationship with either woman beyond you know just the league I knew Lindy because our husbands uh, worked together so I knew I, I, I had known her I don't think I had known Lynn before but Lynn and I became we got along great we we're totally different uh, mm -hmm. but I adored her as I did Lindy and Lindy was much more professional than I was and so I learned a lot from her too. <laughs> um, I found that hard to believe you sound like you're very professional no, Remember, I was, the always, 90s I was always the goofy one. I was the one who slammed down the gavel. <laughs> so we're out so of here. Out of here. I, yes. I wasn't going to let meetings go on and on, and I always try to keep my sense of humor about everything. So, no, Lundy was much more serious and much more uh, uh, formal president. I was the goofy one between the two of them. <laughs> you always need that. I always find that, like I said, interesting the league because everybody brings something different. Yeah. And it's it's nice because every year um, you have opportunity to select someone that really can drive what you need at that moment. It doesn't. Everybody doesn't need to look the same and be the same and do the no. same. And I love that you treasure, just like I do, the, having the different people in your lives and not looking at people as a misconception, I think, with the Junior League is we're not all one one just group of people with the same mind, same things. Yes, you find commonalities, but truly a lot of us treasure the fact that we're meeting people we would not meet otherwise. Mm -hmm. You're exposed to different things. Um, and I think that's what keeps our, our long-term. Well, and Lynn, in particular, was so community-oriented. And so she lived and breathed the projects and the hands-on. And that was so totally opposite of what I was that we actually made a great, great team, team because we had totally opposite strengths. I think that was a nice compliment. I agree mm -hmm. with you. And Lindy, when I look at her year of things, I'm a little jealous because for under fundraising for her year which was pre, you were president-elect, there's only cookbook, um, some special events, and like direct solicitations. I mean, it doesn't sound like, you know, now you can look at a list and it's an, a cookbook, but you know, nowadays I feel like sometimes you could be spread very thin on, on trying to raise funds. We have so many different ways and touches. It's always interesting to see 
if we didn't need the money, necessarily didn't have fundraisers, or you know, we didn't always well, have to be drawing. Probably was in. during the time when we were trying to take that group that had given the sponsorships, which were mostly from the lead, horse show, correct. from the horse show to just give You're the right, money that to was the what dropped off. There was no horse and, show on here. Yeah, and it was before the show house, I guess. So, so we were in limbo. So there was really, and people weren't willing to write the checks just to the league. They wanted their name in print. <laughs> so. That was a big time for us. But um, I think that that Lynn, Lindy, you, I mean, that had to have been a great time for the league and having your time at Stairways. One of the other fun things that we did during that time was we really tried to establish a relationship with the Junior League of Lexington and the Junior League in Owensboro. And the legislative committee had been not active uh, for several years, but we actually got the three le uh, leagues together and set out a platform of things that we were interested in pushing in the legislature and actually went to Frankfurt as the three leagues. And that was fun. It was fun, again, to meet people from the other leagues, some of whom I knew from UK, uh, and to look at the things that were common causes for women you all, all being over impacted. The state. Yes. And it was it was a fun thing to do. So the SPAC, the State Public Affairs Committee, that is true. Mm -hmm. We did have a, a period of time where that was a strong force and um, took the right people, I guess, to bring them together. So that's an, it, it was I enjoyed that a lot. Looking at the bigger issues. I was a political science major, so that was the only time I ever really got to. <laughs> but going to Frankfurt and, and doing all that research and work with us, at least that's a, definitely a part of our history. I mean, like you said, mm -hmm. if it impacts us as women or as a citizen, it's going to impact Lexington and Owensboro women across the state that didn't have a voice. So you're right, we were very active. We did a lot of public forums and a lot of educating. We weren't afraid to get into the politics. We weren't political, but we were definitely educating and, and building awareness right is there anybody that you would say now in your life that you still see or talk to on a regular basis or stay in touch with them from your time in the league oh, hundreds <laughs> <laughs> we always like to hear that i know there's so many and, and now as i've gotten this much older there are people that i met in the league that are actually clients uh, of mine but there are still so many people who are friends clients or friends as well um, <clears throat> I, I it's a, it, I forget sometimes that that's where I met people because now I've known them for 35 years but um, <clears throat> I, there are hundreds of people I met through the league and occasionally somebody will come up to me not so much now as maybe 10 years after I was out of the league, who would say, I remember when you were president of the league. And, you know, I was a provisional, and I didn't always know those people, but then I was thrilled to meet them later. The name recognition. And your daughter, did she start here? You said three leagues, correct? Yes, she started here and then was in the league in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then uh, the league in Cincinnati. So now she's in... Los Angeles for a year, but they're just there for a year, so she didn't Isn't join the league. <laughs> so she'll be back in Cincinnati next year. One thing I think that, the, probably the only thing I haven't touched on, but it was something that I think was important as a person who wasn't from Louisville and I didn't, but there was such a kindness uh, in the league. I will 
I guess I was on Marianne Cronin's board in some capacity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when uh, Liz was, my oldest child was born, I will never forget, she brought me a whole dinner cooked. And I just thought that was so kind. You know, she didn't really know me that well. It was just because of our connection in the league. And I must say, when I was president of the league, I never cooked a whole dinner and took it to anyone. <laughs> but I always appreciated that so much. And I adore Marianne Cronin. Anyway, for the whole group of women who were presidents when I was, you know, working my way up were all just outstanding in so many ways. And I looked up and admired them all. Thank you.